As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're just in time for the best of the Bible Answer Man broadcast with Hank Hanegraaff, the radio outreach of the Christian Research Institute. Our purpose here at CRI is to equip Christians to provide biblical answers to life's most important questions, to read the Bible for all it's worth, and counter the teachings of cults and world religions that deviate from the plumb line of God's Word, because life and truth matter. For more information, to order resources or donate, call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org. The following program was pre-recorded. Now here's the president of the Christian Research Institute, Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy. And do remember, you can also contact us via the mail at Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. We still need to make up some ground financially, so if you can invest some of the Lord's resources in this ministry, the best way to do it in a safe, secure, and a quick way would be via the web at equip.org, E-Q-U-I-P. Org. Again, you can also write me at Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. Let's just go right to the phone calls and talk to Larry in Long Beach, California. Hi, Larry. Hey, Hank. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Yeah, I have a question on Hebrews 1025 where it reads, um, Do not forsake the assembly of the saints. Um, I know a lot of churches and a lot of people are rushing to get back into church, and I think it's kind of unsafe. And uh, I know some people are using that verse to justify that we cannot uh, forsake the assembly and the saints. And I don't think that Scripture is actually saying that, but I just want to get your thoughts and what you think about that. Is that a justification verse that do we need to get back into fellowship? physically in church because we are forsaking the assembly of the saints. Well, I mean, the word have to, do we have to, is is questionable, uh, or the phrase is questionable in my mind. I mean, I, I think all of us want to, uh, because we realize that you cannot have God as your father without having the church as your mother. It is through the church that you receive the graces that transform us from one glory to another. And therefore, the gathering of ourselves together is axiomatic. It's not something we have to do. It's something that um, 
uh, well, maybe I should rephrase that. It is something that we have to do in that sense. But I, I certainly think there's a place for compromise, which is to say, I think there's a place for uh, doing those things that are necessary so that you do not continue to proliferate a pandemic that is continuing to morph in different ways. Uh, you know, the... the uh, uh, the pandemic today is a little different than it was at the beginning. Uh, it spreads more easily, but it appears to be less deadly than it was uh, in its initial stages. So there are people like myself that have compromised immune systems, and, and therefore they have to be more careful about this than others. Uh, I, I, I do think that we have to be wise as serpents, gentle as doves in this matter. Uh, and I, I don't think we need to be social engineered. There are a lot of people that uh, are not looking at the science. They're simply mouthing mantras. Uh, for example, masks that people wear uh, are, are masks that have pores that are between 20 and 100 microns. With well, a covid uh, uh, virus is between 0.1 as well, it's around 0.1 microns. So if you wear the wrong kind of mask, it's sort of like trying to keep mosquitoes out of your backyard with a chain link fence. So there are good masks to wear and masks that are not so good, but you also have to recognize what the liabilities of wearing masks are and not just wear them for the sake of wearing them. Wearing them in the appropriate circumstances makes sense, but in inappropriate uh, circumstances can even be counterproductive. So I think you have to be wise about all of these things. And I'm really glad that churches are opened and that, by and large, uh, churches are practicing the kinds of social distancing mechanisms that are necessary to halt the spread of the virus. Oh, okay. So, so using that verse is not they're not um, scripturally wrong by saying that we need to, because I know that the, the virus is, it's look like it's, like you said, it's not as deadly as before, but it's, it's spiking. The more people gather, it seems like it's, it's uh, again, having a second wave of it. Um, uh, and I know the government is also, or, uh, you know, God ordained government too, um, to first to, you know, to listen to, to his wise advice. So I was just wondering if, if someone is going against, you yeah, I'm, again, I think I think the operative word is wise, uh, where, where the government is giving advice that is not wise, and that has happened a lot during this pandemic, then you don't follow that kind of unwise uh, uh, kind of exhortation. But in general, going back to your question, uh, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the custom of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Uh, there's a, a wisdom in exhortation, there's a wisdom in assembly, but in the midst of uh, a pandemic, there's also wisdom in proper compromise. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. You got it. Thank you so much for your call. Let's go back to the phone lines, talk to Steve in Surrey, British Columbia, Canada. Listening on KARI. Hi, Steve. Yes, Steve. Uh, rather, uh, Hank, rather, um, I was going to say that uh, I know I've heard uh, others say, including yourself, uh, in times past concerning Colossians 2, 
uh, where it speaks about, or Paul speaks about, let no man judge you concerning festivals, new moons, or Sabbath days. I've, I've heard, as they say, others, including yourself, say that the festivals pertain to a annual occasion, the new moons to a monthly occasion, and therefore it would follow logically, uh, according to the teaching, that the Sabbaths mentioned in Colossians 2 pertain to weekly. But but it seems to me, though, that the uh, new moons, although they're monthly, the festivals are almost as monthly as as new moons, and by the same token, um, the Sabbath days uh, over the course of a year are almost as monthly as new moons. Would you not say that's correct? Yeah, but what I have said about this is what Paul gives us is a descending order from annual to monthly to weekly. And therefore, what is in view here is a weekly Sabbath. That's the point, I think. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So I've typically communicated that in the context of speaking to people uh, who, who are against meeting on Sunday as opposed to meeting uh, on, on, on the Lord's Day. Uh, excuse me, on, uh, on Saturday. Almost as monthly as new moons, and, and again, the various Sabbaths throughout the year are almost as, as monthly as, as new moons. So in, in other words, there's not necessarily a, a progression of uh, yearly, monthly, uh, and, and weekly. It, it, it seems that, in other words, there's only one month of Nisan in a year. There's only one festival of Passover so, so in a So what's the point? But, well, the, the, the point is, is that, that, that it seems to be faulty logic, because, because if there's uh, various feasts in, in one year and various new moons in one year, and there's also various Sabbaths in one year, it, it seems uh, faulty logic to say that, that, that one is necessarily annual, one is necessarily monthly, and one is necessarily weekly. You, you can see my point, right? Well, it, the, well, first of all, that's what you have here. So it's not faulty logic. It's simply saying this is what the text is doing. It is giving you a descending order from annual to monthly to weekly. So the question now becomes, can you use this as a proof text uh, for the idea that you should continue to worship on Saturday as opposed to worshiping on the first day of the week? Yeah. No, I, I think I lost my caller. Um, at any rate, you know, I, I think one of the key points here is to recognize that church tradition, if you go back to holy tradition, if you follow what happened from the apostles to the apostolic fathers to the apologists, etc., you find that they observed the first day of the week in honor of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hard to tell what the uh, import of Steve's question was, at least for me at this point. Uh, we are coming to station break. On the other side of the break, we'll continue with more answers to your questions. And thank you so much to all of you who are standing shoulder to shoulder with us in the battle for life and truth. Sexual identity issues are central to the chaos and confusion in our culture today. 
Although it's easy to see how issues of sexual identity have separated society, we often underestimate the way any sin creates a chasm between Christ and even the most dedicated Christians. Nothing could be more serious, which is what makes Gay Girl Good God by Jackie Hill Perry so compelling. Even if many Christians cannot understand the specific struggle of same-sex attraction, all Christians can understand the general struggle of sin. In this growing spiritual darkness, the importance of lighthouses can hardly be overestimated, and Jackie's story is truly a lighthouse. To receive your copy of Gay Girl Good God, call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support the Christian Research Institute's life-changing outreaches. 888-7000-CRI or visit us at equip.org. The Bible Answer Man broadcast will return in just a few moments. The Christian Research Journal is CRI's award-winning magazine, combining eye-catching design with well-researched articles to equip believers in doctrine, defense, and discernment. The Christian Research Journal's primary commitment is to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In keeping with this commitment, the journal's mission is both evangelistic and pastoral, furthering the proclamation and defense of the historic gospel of Jesus Christ and helping his followers distinguish between essential Christian doctrine and doctrine that is peripheral, aberrant, or heretical. In an age of subjectivism and moral relativism, may Christians ground their faith and values in the objective, reliable testimony of Holy Scripture. Start your subscription to the Christian Research Journal today. Call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org. Breaking the code of the book of Revelation has become an international obsession. The result has been rampant misreading of scripture, bad theology, and even bad politics and foreign policy. In the Apocalypse Code, find out what the Bible really says about the end times and why it matters today. Hank Hanegraaff argues that the key to understanding the last book of the Bible is the other 65 books of the Bible, not current events or recent history. The Apocalypse Code offers sane answers to some very controversial questions such as, what does it mean to take the book of Revelation literally? Who are the Antichrist and the Great Whore of Babylon? And what is the real meaning of 666? Order The Apocalypse Code by Hank Hanegraaff today. Available in softcover, MP3 CD, or MP3 download from equip.org. Or call 888-7000-CRI. Jackie Hill Perry used to be a lesbian. In Gay Girl, Good God, she shares her story of embracing masculinity and homosexuality with every fiber of her being. She knew the Christian worldview on sexual identity, but how was she supposed to stop loving women when homosexuality felt more natural to her than heterosexuality ever could? Ultimately, Jackie came face to face with what it meant to be made new. God broke in and turned her heart toward Him right in her own bedroom through the light of His gospel. Read Gay Girl, Good God in order to understand. Read in order to hope or read in order, like Jackie, to be made new. 
To receive your copy of Gay Girl, Good God, call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support the Christian Research Institute's life-changing outreaches, 888-7000-CRI, or visit us at equip.org. Now back to the Bible Answer Man broadcast and your host, Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy. And let's go back to our phone callers, Paul in Phoenix, Arizona, listening on Sirius XM 131. Hi, Paul. Hi, how are you doing today? I am doing well today. Um, Thank you. Uh, I'm calling you for the first time. And for me, for I and many other callers out there that don't know, my question is shortened to the point, and I'll hang up and listen offline. My question is, regarding the church, the few years, say, for example, five years or less before the tribulation starts, and the first three and a half years of the tribulation, two separate questions, what happens to the church? For example, before the tribulation, uh, what happens to the pastors um, regarding uh, false prophets coming in to take their place? The people of the Antichrist, what do they do to some of those pastors uh, that are real pastors? And so what happens to the church just before the tribulation? What happens during the first half of the tribulation? I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. And uh, let me say, first of all, that this is based on a false premise. And uh, to answer that question, you have to answer it within a paradigm, but I don't hold to that paradigm. And the reason I don't hold to the paradigm is that the paradigm is decidedly unbiblical. Uh, In fact, not only unbiblical, but virtually unheard of prior to the 19th century. So today, a go-to dogma that has permeated bastions of education and penetrated corridors of influence and power is popular but has no basis. You have masters of mass media championing its tenants and academic institutions churning out its members as messengers, but again, it has no basis. Uh, by the way, its proponents consider themselves keepers of orthodoxy and react with cult-like fanaticism when their presuppositions are so much as questioned. But that is precisely what I am going to do in the next few moments. This whole idea of a pre-tribulational rapture was popularized by John Nelson Darby. He was a, uh, a disillusioned priest who left the Church of England and then imposed a subjective spin on the scriptural data he encountered within the context of a separatist millennial group that he encountered in the English city of uh, of Plymouth. And he came up with this idea that God has two distinct people with two distinct plans and two distinct destinies. That only one of those peoples, the Jews or Israel, would suffer tribulation. That the other, the church, would be raptured in a secret coming seven years prior to the second coming of Christ. Well, this was a distinctive twist on Scripture that came to be known as dispensational eschatology. And rapture theorists from Hal Lindsey to Tim LaHaye held that due to the murder of Messiah, 
Jews were going to be in for a time of unprecedented suffering referred to as the Great Tribulation or variously as Antichrist's final solution to the Jewish problem. And they talked about the mind-boggling terror, the turmoil of the tribulation being a nightmarish reality far exceeding even the Holocaust of Adolf Hitler. And of course, multiplied millions today hold firmly to this belief. But as I said again, it's not biblical. Why? Let me say without equivocation that the pre-tribulational rapture theory is without any basis as you read the biblical text. Because far from communicating that God has two distinct people, what does the Bible say? From beginning to end, it reveals only one chosen people, that one chosen people purchased from every tongue and language and nation. In fact, you might recall that Paul explains the mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. So the true church is true Israel, and true Israel is truly the church. Jesus is the one genuine seed of Abraham. And all who are clothed in Christ constitute one congruent chosen covenant community connected by a cross. And by the way, illustrated by a cultivated olive tree. And I use all the C's to make it easy for people to remember, at least hopefully easy for people to remember. Let me make a second point. There's no biblical warrant whatsoever for a fatalistic preoccupation with a future seven-year tribulation. Nor is there warrant for a rebuilt temple and reinstituted temple sacrifices. In fact, Scripture forbids Christians to take part in or encourage the building of a third temple which would occasion the trampling of the Holy Son of God underfoot by counting the blood of the covenant a common thing through the offering of unholy animal sacrifices. Now, I didn't just come up with that. I'm paraphrasing Hebrews chapter 10. Read it for yourself. The Shekinah glory of God is never going to descend upon a temple constructed of lifeless stones. Why? Because it forever dwells within the living stone, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God. You know, the apostle Peter explains that we are living stones. We're built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Just as there's no biblical warrant for a pre-tribulational rapture or a future seven-year tribulation, so too there's no biblical basis for believing in a second chance for salvation after the second coming of Christ. Christ is crystal clear. All given to him by the Father will be raised up on the last day. And Paul points out that the liberation of creation goes hand in hand with the redemption of our bodies. Thus, we can be certain that no one is going to be saved following the second coming of Christ. You know, the very notion that our bodies are redeemed 
at the rapture and that the earth is liberated from its bondage to decay approximately 1,007 years later, again is without biblical basis. At the second appearing, the bride of Christ, the church universal is complete. Now I'm saying all of that in answer to Paul's question because the presupposition is flawed. The presupposition that there's going to be a seven-year tribulation is taking biblical passages and driving them into the future. I said, I think, on yesterday's broadcast, there was a seven-year tribulation, a tribulation that was foreseen by Daniel and ultimately realized in the second century under the... the the Old Testament Antichrist Antiochus IV Epiphanes, who, who desecrated the temple, was ultimately uh, defeated by the forces of Judas Maccabeus. And of course, that's talked about in 2 Maccabees uh, and also in 1 Maccabees. But what's important to recognize here is that Jesus looks back on this seven-year tribulation to foretell another tribulation that's going to take place when the temple and Jerusalem are destroyed. But now taking all of that and driving it into the 21st century simply does not comport with the biblical text. Now, as I said on yesterday's broadcast, it is true to say, in this world we will have tribulation, but Christ said, take heart, He's overcome the world. Now, we are part of the solution in this world, not by simply evaporating into the new heaven and the new earth or being raptured. We are part of the equation of redeeming the world while there is yet time, which means that rather than speculating about what the church ought to do just prior to a seven-year tribulation period, we ought to be talking about what the church ought to do in the present before Jesus Christ returns. Because we know that when he returns, he will put all things to right. The dead will be raised immortal, imperishable, incorruptible. We too will be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. In the meantime, we live our lives in such a way as to proclaim truth to a lost and searching world. And we, in that process, experience the life that is life to the full. I've written about this in great detail. If you want to know the truth about the pre-tribulational rapturist theory or dispensationalism, I've written about this in a book called The Apocalypse Code. Find out what the Bible really says about the end times and why it matters today. That book available on the web at equip.org or wherever books are sold. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Bible Answer Man broadcast and for standing shoulder to shoulder with me in the battle for life and truth. Thank you for listening to the Bible Answer Man broadcast with Hank Hanegraaff. An appreciation for your vital gift to help strengthen and expand the life-changing outreaches of the Christian Research Institute, Hank would like to send you the book, Gay Girl, Good God by Jackie Hill Perry. Simply call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support CRI's life-changing outreaches, 888-7000-CRI, or visit equip.org. That's equip.org. 
You can also write to CRI at Post Office Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina 28271. The preceding program was pre-recorded. The Bible Answer Man broadcast is funded solely by listeners like you. We're on the air because truth matters and life matters more. The Christian Research Journal is CRI's award-winning magazine, combining eye-catching design with well-researched articles to equip believers in doctrine, defense, and discernment. The Christian Research Journal's primary commitment is to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In keeping with this commitment, the journal's mission is both evangelistic and pastoral, furthering the proclamation and defense of the historic gospel of Jesus Christ and helping his followers distinguish between essential Christian doctrine and doctrine that is peripheral, aberrant, or heretical. In an age of subjectivism and moral relativism, may Christians ground their faith and values in the objective, reliable testimony of Holy Scripture. Start your subscription to the Christian Research Journal today. Call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.